right, hello people, welcome back to Noise Evocation Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I am Ryan and Cold. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some cold-ass black metal today. We'll warm you up with some church burnings. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) So the Jazz Starter Pack episode that we did, we were talking about this, and I believe we mentioned this in the last episode about how we plan to do a black metal starter pack. Um, Black metal is a category that me and Jeremy have been waiting for... When did we start this? July? Yeah, Yeah. the end of July. We've been waiting since after we did the first episode to start to do black metal. Well, we figured doing it in August wasn't correct, so we wanted to wait till it was black metal-ish outside. And it is fucking depressing out there, let me tell you. 20 degrees and cold and snow is coming. So with the snow coming, the black metal is coming. We're going to do the next... I don't want to give a set number of how many exact episodes we're going to do to box ourselves in here, but the next few episodes at least are going to be black metal metal or black metal related. We might do an artist profile in there. We might just do, um, you know, we're going to do discussions on new black metal bands, old black metal bands, bands that change the sound. Um, We'll get into like the dirty shit, like the killings and the church burnings and the different type of cult shit and all that and break down some of the artwork and things like that too yeah there could be like that's why we're taking up you know a few different episodes we want because you know because otherwise we just try to cram it into one hour and one hour is just simply not enough to get into all this so splitting it up among a few different episodes will give us more time to be able to write different content that doesn't seem rushed. Right, right. I just, uh, this is a genre that we both really like. It's my Christmas music. Yeah. Steve hates it at the record store because we, I always play black metal, but Steve will always be trying to play like holiday shit for the shoppers and yeah, things yeah. like that, which is fair. Like it makes people want to spend money and gets them in the mood and whatever. But for me, what gets me in the mood is black metal music because so, yeah, I, I can't fucking stand Christmas music. I don't. I don't really care for the jingles myself. Although uh, maybe Nat King Cole once in a great while, but I'd still. I'm with I don't even man. like that mayhem. <laughs> but. I just think this episode... Kill Whitney Dead Stocking Stuff oh, Her yeah, album yeah, yeah. is about the only Christmas music I really Christmas get into. Yeah. Although... But even that, that's fuck, that gets cheese, you know, cheesy and shit. It does. It is pretty cheesy. There is a friend of mine, Tristan, he goes, the Bone Weaver dude. Oh, right on. He came out, his project, Ellie Vylon, I want, E-L-Y-V-I-L-O-N, um... He has, like, a dungeon synth project that he does, and he recently came out with a Christmas-style album called Full Moon Over Yuletide Eve. So for anybody into dungeon synth or that kind of sound, or if you're interested and don't know what the hell that even is, it's on all streaming platforms. Go check it out. Well, I've heard some other other things by him. Those two previous ones, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, definitely... Put you in the mood to like slay some fucking dragons or something. Yeah, and he does it all by himself too. And he's 
running his own label. Um, but anyways, we're getting off topic here with the Christmas music. Um, we'll come back to him at a later day, and we do plan to set up an interview with him to have him on the show at some time, too. So, let's Before get we get into metal. the list, though, what got you into black metal? Um, So, this kid I know, well, he's not a kid anymore. Fuck, man, we're old. But his name is Black Metal Dale. Shout out to Black Metal Dale. He was called Black Metal Dale because he listened to black metal. I don't remember how old I was when I met him. I don't fucking remember, like, the first shit I heard. I don't know. It's just he was around, I don't know, maybe since I was 14, 15, 16, I don't know. So that's how I heard about black metal. What's the first thing that actually, like, well, sort of resonated with you well, yeah, to where you were like, oh, this sound is cool, let me find more of that? Dark Thrones, uh, Blazing the Northern Sky, because it was so, it sounded like, you know, that's on the, that's down on the list a little, but it just sounded like punk rock to me, only dude singing about fucking Satan and, like, mm-hmm. shit's cool, you know, I don't think it's, I think it's fucking, it's, it's entertaining to me. It makes me almost, it's at points it makes me, like, laugh at how fucking gnarly some of the shit they say is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was also in a uh, uh, black metal air band. Well, we didn't really play instruments. We did one show where we crawled up on stage uh, with another local band and played our instruments. That band name was Hung by the Cunt. <laughs> That's trademarked, by the way. Anybody steals it, I'm coming for you. <laughs> but uh, that included uh, Cole Cummings and Brian Madsen and Beth Broman. Shout out to all those Hung by the Cunt members. I'm going to ask Cole about that tomorrow. Right. I see him in the morning. So that's, you know, and like we just, I thought it was silly, but then like lyrically, and but the more you dive into it it's like it, it's just nice it's cool to see it evolve like anything else and it's one of the only genres that still gives like people are like like why the fuck do you listen to that great shit you know like yeah it still has that little bit of like well cuz from the it. outside looking in it's noise really right right like it's recorded like shit well so there's melodic, yeah, there's melodic black metal, and then there's what some people would call true black metal, um, which people would describe Dark Throne as. It definitely is an acquired taste to where it takes some growing on you, and definitely. or maybe you just you're either gonna like it or you don't. I've had bands that I originally heard that I didn't enjoy at first. Like, even Dark Throne, the first time yeah, I heard yeah. it, I was kind of like, what the fuck? I was like, this sounds, <laughs> this sounds fucking awful. Yeah, but then yeah, yeah. once you get past that and you kind of put yourself in... Once you listen to it, yeah, like, when you close your eyes and you're, like, you can focus in on shit, you're like, oh. Like, imagine walking through a whole bunch of snow in a dark forest somewhere. And, like, that's, like, the state of mind that it makes you, or at least that it makes me feel. Like, hip-hop may paint a picture of suburban life, or not suburban, urban life, 
and you know metal might paint the party picture depending on the music or whatever the fuck yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but i feel like black metal gives you that icy cold we're in negative 20 weather in the middle of the woods and there's a fucking demon wandering around type of thing and see that's that's what um i like about it because i feel like i'm like i'm the demon in that woods Mm. Or, you know, it's like an eternalized thing. Like, even how they sing, like, real guttural or just screaming really, really high like that, you know? Like, almost inhaling, and sometimes they do that, is, like, so fucking almost animalistic that... And, and like you said, with the coldness and shit, it does the op... Like, it, it's depressing, but it does the opposite thing to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, then it's like, it's I don't know kinda why. kind of like, so in Michigan, like, we live in cold climates. Right. Like, the majority of the black metal bands that started in you know, Norway and wherever, like, cold climate, same kind of yeah. t- type of environment. So to me, it, like, it's depressing, but it takes away from the depressing element of the weather that surrounds you. Right. If that makes sense. No, it does. Like, winter sucks. But black metal makes winter great. <laughs> you fucking you know right. I mean? it like, does. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, fuck, it's going to snow. Well, at least the fucking black metal will sound a little better. Yeah. It, it's kind of yeah. like how when we talked about The Cure, 17 Seconds yep. Complimenting the Rain. Yep. A lot of these records that we're going to talk about definitely complement the cold. Definitely. Yep. I would totally agree. So, with all that being said, let's um, jump into the list. Okay, so... I'll let you rattle off the first one. We'll do the first one. Oh, and before we get into this, as always, with this list, it will be in the description of the episode. So anybody trying to check out these albums, just go into the description, copy, paste, whatever, write them down. And you know that way you don't have to follow along, write it down, each one that we list off. But anyway. Okay. So um, I'm going to... We're going to... The first black metal band that is on our list that you need to check out is Venom. They were the first band to like kind of coin the term black metal. And the album's from 1982. Venom is uh, from the UK. And the song Black Metal, it's pretty much what it is, man. Black metal, you know, over. Now, this record, I would say, one coined the term but to coin the content as well, like what with what they're talking about in the right. album with the killings and the Satanist shit yep. and the church burnings. And, and they dressed up. Um, and the dress up and, like, you know, the different types of churches and, like, battles and shit like that. Like, it just paints... It laid the groundwork for what was to come in the bands that released these albums continuing on. Right. The, um, it might not sound like a Dark Throne album, per se, but it still deserves to be on the list because of Venom's it. the foundation. Laying the for foundation sure. for. Um, and everybody, I mean, this was, you got to remember, 82, so by the mid, what, mid-80s, late-80s, you have the Satanic Panic. So, yeah, Venom was looked at as like, Everybody was fucking scared of them. Parents were like, their children can't hear them, you know, 
And the funny thing is, is they were joking. Exactly. I was just going to say that it was, they just did it as a joke as to get, you know, that's their niche, man. Nobody's fucking dressing up like this and talking about Satan. Like people think we're nuts. Let's do it. It's good. And they did. And they created an entire fucking genre, you know, it's, it's uh, pretty impressive. And they definitely started to help out with that lo-fi sound. Right. Because, like, what Bathory and Dark Throne did moving forward after that definitely derived from that lo-fi right. sound. Yeah, it's, um... But they, that's the other thing. Later down the road, it's like they took it more lo-fi. Yeah, purposefully. Yeah. Where, yeah, Venom... Venom's was lo-fi based on economics, not technology or anything. They just couldn't afford to fucking... They didn't have the budget. It was exactly. only their second record. So, following that, uh, number two, we have Mayhem, De Mysterious, Dom, Satanis. I'm going to butcher that pronunciation, but honestly, that's the best I've ever done it. So, there you have it live. <laughs> um, this album, personally, to me, I'm not big on the vocal style. Um, it do- It is great musically. Um, it has that sound, it has the feel to it, it has the darkness, it has all the creepy stories involved in it, the murder, etc. Um, it's just taken a very long time for the vocal style to grow on me. However, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I, um, I actually, in, like, the EP previous, called Death, Death Crush, um, and I do, en- and I love this album too, only... I have a I have a version of it live from maybe ten ten years ago, and it actually sounds a lot better live than this '94 release. Um, as far as um, the hi-fi, lo-fi thing, which is kind of weird because it's a live album, you think it sound a little shittier, but it actually sounds a lot better. Even though they were going for that lo-fi sound on purpose, so if you're not into that lo-fi sound the like mayhem and the next band yeah maybe not for you you know i enjoy that lo-fi shit i think it's cool it's like punk rock you know and they're just working what the fuck they have um also with this album all like you said the murder and all the uh the legend around it and how and it's making and the members also adds to the fucking lore and like when you hear it you're like these people fucking literally killed each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, so. Which I think definitely adds to the appeal of exactly. the album. Like. If that didn't it happen. It adds to the authenticity of it that there was so much chaos going around the people that right. lived in that or that were living that life and that were in that scene. Which is completely the opposite of what Venom did. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. they're like, oh, it's just fucking dress up these dudes were like serious as a motherfucker like didn't the singer like bury his clothes or some shit the the original singer dead yeah yeah, buried his clothes to try to get the smell of yeah death death and yeah he wanted it to rot and look real yeah and he committed suicide and was the cover of an album it's pretty gross but euronymous the guitar player took the picture um, and then they also like ate part of his brain, they didn't had, they? And that was then, all bullshit. Oh, okay. So Euronymous spread those rumors about 
it wasn't eating the brain. It was they would wear. Oh, that's right. They took bones and wore them as necklaces. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, I believe only Euronymous actually did that. And it wasn't his fucking bones either. But, um, either way, totally, completely messed up, you know? Um, it's always been crazy to me that their first initial reaction when they seen their friend, because if anybody's actually seen the picture yeah. of the album cover, it's a pretty gruesome scene. Right. So it's always been crazy to me that their initial reaction when they walk in the house and see their friend's brains blown out everywhere was to, oh my God, this would be an awesome album cover, take a picture. Okay, so... The only person that took that picture was Euronymous, the guitar player. The bass player, Hellhammer, and the drummer, Necrobutcher, were pissed. I mean, like, you know, they were like, that was our friend, dude. Like, why are you fucking taking pictures of him? Right. And and I didn't even realize that till I read Necrobutcher's book a few years ago, where it was like, we were not fucking cool with that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And a couple of them. Ditched. I could see that definitely being a dilemma. Because they and were also, like, He's but such it kind of nice cemented dude. their legacy in a way. Oh, definitely. But almost for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Well, it's just like it's one of those things, man. That it's it was publicity, and Euronymous was smart about shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he spread the rumors like he knew that shit would sell, or you know, people would fucking take him seriously. Yeah, because they go down as one of the most notable black metal bands of all time, exactly. and always will, simply because of that story. Yep. And like you said, the vo- like the vocals on it, even for me, aren't my favorite. But um, musically, musically though, it's so fucking sick. awesome. Yeah, love it. And I it's, just it's it, amazing that it's. I gotta just be in the right the main writer of all that shit. Yeah, I gotta be in the right setting and the right mind to actually be able to sit through and listen to all that. Uh-huh. But. Musically, I love it. Um, I you also, could just give me an instrumental only version of that record. Shit. It'd be like in one of my top records of all time. But <laughs> is what it is. I can't like everybody's no, voice. Oh man, that's what that's what I love. It's just got to be honest, you know. Um, but it is arguably the greatest black metal album. I don't know. We can move on. I'd also oh, one more. My thing. opinion would vary, but. I also wouldn't argue against if somebody else was saying that. Yeah. Because I could see how they come to that. Exactly. Um, The original singer, Dead, well, second singer, Dead, and when he would do his shows, he'd slit his wrists and shit, and he almost died bleeding out. I believe that is in that film, um, whatever they call it. What's that? There's a movie out based on the story, but it's pretty loosely based. Oh, is it the Until the Light Fades or whatever? No, Until the Light Takes Us is or, a documentary. Yeah, Until the Light Takes it's Us. Also, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a documentary um, about the black metal scene in Norway around that time. Mm. Um, you can watch it for awesome. free on YouTube. But yeah, it's pretty dope. It's but mostly anyway. just Fenris from Dark Throne, like right. pretty much. And Varg. Yeah, and Varg. But they're just kind of telling the story of the murder and what was going on in the scene at that time. So it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, Dead the Singer, um, who committed suicide, I mean, when he did his show, he was like, I'll die for the people or whatever. It's cheesy. Not, I don't want to say cheesy, but it's like... Gimmicky. Gimmicky and... As that sounds, he was, you know, from what I read and understand, 
I mean, he was a depressed dude, so why not go out like that? Obviously, he was depressed. He, uh, you know, ate a shotgun. So, anyway, moving on. Number three. Number three is probably my favorite black metal band. <clears throat> you can go ahead. Oh, okay, I'm going, dude. Dark Throne. <laughs> You're wearing the hoodie, so yeah, I figured yeah, I'd I'm wearing you a hoodie, it. Dark, Th- Dark Throne hoodie. I love Dark Throne. Um, it's hard for me to pick which I, album. Like, okay, not it's not hard for me to pick which album I like the most, but the I believe the most influential one and one that I would suggest everybody listen to first would be A Blaze in the Northern Sky, um, which is actually their second album. Their first album was more um, death, death metal. Yeah, it was more Soul death side. metal. And, Excuse me, Soul Side Journey. Yep. Which I actually really like that record yeah. too. It's great. I have been. Um, it reminds me of kind of like the dirty Florida death metal sound. Oh, it reminds okay. me of like early Obituary and Morbid Angel and shit like that. It has that death metal to it gotcha. but then yeah they went second album they went with blaze and started to learn the black metal language so well yeah, let, let's do in. let's do this here really quick so number three is dark throne blaze in the northern sky number four is under a funeral moon dark throne and then number five is dark throne transylvanian hunger yeah. so now that we have all those out in the open um, this is known as the unholy trinity in black metal. Uh, one, just for the music, and two, the artwork is probably, aside from that Mayhem yeah. cover, some of the, the most popular artworks the throughout. The most recognizable, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, lyrically. And it's cool how cheaply they awesome. did that and made it, because it was just them fucking around in the woods and then... Um, changing the exposure in the pictures to a ridiculous amount to making them look the way that they wanted to. But I was listening to this interview, and I can't remember. I want to say it's Blaze, because Blaze, the cover is, like, slightly shaded differently. Right. Like, the others are pure black. black. Yeah. Blaze is a little more gray. There's, like, a gray, yeah. They originally lost the transfer that they did and had to make a copy of a copy or something like that and that's why the color changes there because it it was a copy of a copy because it wasn't the original oh, actual picture that they did that was all black like that like the other two it was they were trying to like rummage up whatever <laughs> version of well, it yeah, that they had you have to remember too at the time um they were i believe they were fucking teenagers when they put out that second album, I think, still. 19, 20 years old, maybe. They've been around for a long time and still putting that out That was 92? Records. 92 was the first one. And it was a two-piece band, too. Yep, two-piecer, which is, um, when you hear it, is very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read this thing somewhere that said Blaze was learning the black metal language um, under a fu- the, sorry, under a funeral moon perfected the language, and then Transylvanian hunger pioneered the new language. That language being black metal, quote yeah, unquote. Um, 
But if you do listen to them, like they get more low quality as they go on right. intentionally. Um, but the music, it gets tighter and the lyrics, the yeah. writing gets way better. It, yeah. It's, um, but I think Transylvanian Hunger definitely, that's like the definitive blueprint for lo-fi black metal right there. And that's my favorite black metal album at the moment. Like Even overall. though Blaze is lo-fi, I think, <laughs> I don't know, that there's no to, proper term for yeah, that, but Transylvanian Hunger is more lo-fi. Like, the quality's worse, whatever. But, like Jeremy just said, the music's tighter, the lyrics are more, they're better structured than what the original right. stuff was, and they were more comfortable making that style of music, obviously. So they were able to piece that all together the way that it came out. But I know, like, Blaze was recorded in three or four days. Yeah, real quick, man. And mixed in, like, another four days. And then they had more time for the second record, but kept intentionally making them sound worse, and they couldn't find a producer originally who was understanding what they were trying to do because they were like, no, we want it to sound this way. And the producer working with whatever other bands he had worked with yeah. was like, oh, well, it's you got to have this and you got to have that, otherwise and this like, low end no, won't come here. This, they're like, no, we don't want any of that. So um, on Transylvanian Hunger is when they got the producer that really let them do exactly what they wanted to do without the producer trying to tamper with it. That being said, there's an album right after that called Panzerfrost, which I know you're aware of, that is also sometimes, it's like the Unholy Trinity plus one sometimes, for anybody out there. Won't get into that, but... To me, I love... One, I love the album name. Yeah, I think yeah. that, like, Panzer Tank yeah. is where I'm sure it derives from. But it's just a cool, evil-sounding fucking name. Like, to me, that sounds like it could be a Marduk album. Def- definitely. Like, um, no, the, the right. artwork's sounds, cool. It's, that shit like, sounds scarier than Transylvanian yeah, Hunger, yeah. for sure. Transylvanian Hunger almost sounds kind of gimmicky. No, yeah, definitely. But the cover art is so iconic that it makes up for it sounding gimmicky. But I think Panzerfaust is their coolest fucking Some, album name. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and then Total Death follows that, which is another really good record. And then it, they have so many goddamn albums. Well, you know, where I'm not gonna yeah, keep going into that and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. but uh. Definitely check out the track in the shadows of the horn, or in the shadow of the horns, rather, on um, Blazing in the Northern Sky. It's like three chords. <laughs> Dude. I fucking love that song, man. The lyrics to it are great. It's long. It's pretty long. It's like, well, for a black metal song, it's not very long, but anyway. I will... Uh, it's cool to me that... I mean, there are other genres of music that definitely do this, like, but black metal seems to have the gift of being able to have either one or two members and being able to pull it off to where it sounds really fucking good versus most metal bands. They have, you know, bass player, guitar, drummer, singer, full lineup of three to five or six or seven or however many musicians, and it's 
<clears throat> seems like it's less common outside of black metal to where people only have one or two musicians. Because, yeah, like, Bathory right. was only two musicians to begin with and then was only Corson after that. And, like, Storm Ruler, we yeah. were talking about, it's only like a two-piece, two. Dark Throne. Um, Kectorok is only one dude. It, and, like, it just... Well, even, honestly, even with Mayhem, it and was Burzum. all Euronymous's fucking... Yeah. yeah. And then Burzum was Varg's, right? Um, but you're definitely uh, correct in that. You can be a studio. You can be a studio black metal band. Um, is strange and as pull that it sounds. off well too. Yeah, and pull it off. Uh, anyway, depending on who does it, I guess I'm yeah. sure there are people that have tried that are like, "Oh, this sounds terrible," and yeah. it just might have just sounded terrible and been terrible. But sometimes the terrible makes for the good sound. It just on YouTube, um, if you search one man black metal bands. Uh, Vice, V-I-C-E. There's a, I want to say it's like a half hour, 40 minute documentary from a few years ago where they interview some people that are, um, you know, one metal. Mm. One metal, one man metal band. It's pretty interesting. The Lone Ranger. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll circle back to Dark Throne at some point again throughout this series of black metal stuff. Guarantee that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um... All right, number six. Go ahead. Well, actually, I'm going to take this one because this one's mine. (laughs) Um, Number six is Immortal at the Heart of Winter, which is one of my all-time favorite black metal albums, um, where dark and light don't differ, and at the heart of winter are two of my all-time favorite black metal songs. Icy is, like, the really the best way to describe this whole record is great start to finish and it was kind of hard for us to choose between sons of northern darkness and at the heart of winter because both to me are 10 out of 10 albums but being that at the heart was my more listened to of the two i just went with that um yeah they're they're that's well it's in the fucking title but, but i mean yeah it's fucking cold it's yeah it's very cold um and yeah but it's Immortal's cool to me because you can take the first one, two, three, which would be Diabolical Full Moon Mysticism. That came out weird, but you get the point. Yeah. Um, Pure Holocaust and what the hell was the other record? Battles of the North or something like that. Their first three records almost sound like a completely different band from the three that followed those records. Like, once they hit Blizzard Beasts was about where the sound started to change, and it went from being more of the traditional sense of black metal sound to more of a melodic style, but still kept all of the traditional sense fully intact too, but kind of incorporated what was the change of sound at the time. I find that in um, <clears throat> I find that in uh, a lot of black metal bands or that start out as black metal bands and then um, work their way uh, into yeah, other they genres. Yeah, evolve into something else, which is why I like it, and I always refer to it as like in a punk rock thing because other bands do the same shit, you know start off as like a punk rock kind of hardcore band and they morph into i mean it could morph into anything you know but 
I find those similarities, you know, in that. I would like to talk more about Immortal in the future, but we'll uh, keep cracking away at this list. I just like their humor and shit. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, like on the Sons of Northern Darkness photo shoot, there's a a picture where Abbott accidentally has his fly undone and they just like left it cause they think it's funny. And they were always doing like stupid faces and corpse paint and like kind of self deprecating in a way, but or like aware of that this is a gimmick and we're not trying to take it too seriously. Right, like right. we're not trying to kill each other over this music type of thing, which I always like that about immortal. I'll I'll mention a uh, a Michigan black metal band real quick. Uh, the band's name is Summon, and uh, we'll talk about them more. But I just want to mention that some of the nicest fucking dudes you will like. You would not if you listen to Summon and then you meet these people. You're like you would never put two and two together ever. Just saying. I've heard that with. Fenris from Dark Throne. Like I've heard he's, yeah, like, he's like one of the geek. nicest people ever. He's a geek. Yeah, he's just a plays with nerd. cats all the time and yep. shit. Like Yeah, we could probably do it. Like Ryan said earlier, we'll get back to some Dark Throne and the funny shit that's happened with that band over the years. Yeah. And their progression of career, like right. the fact that they've stayed relevant for so long in their genre is impressive. Uh, moving on to number seven, I have Burzum. Go ahead and try this. Philosophum. I'm going to uh, agree with the Philosophum. Okay. The Flugelhorn. You, that's um, a, yeah. There's a woman on the cover. Blowing a big giant horn. Yeah, so. It looks like a really evil Ricola commercial. That is exactly what it looks <laughs> like, man. For sure. So, to me, this is Burzum's best record. Um, just because mainly sometimes his stuff can be a little hard to digest depending on which era you get it in. Yeah, this is like the first few records. Every record could is completely different. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. There's no two that are like, oh, this one complements this one and sounds the no. same and went from this. It's not like the unholy trinity where they build upon each other. Varg was totally fucking out there. Yeah, as a person, he is uh, also totally fucking out there. I just want to play, do a disclaimer. Yeah, uh, Varg neither of fuck, us yeah, we don't support like that his ideologies or anything, but for the sake of the topic of what we're getting at, he at least deserves to be on the list. Whether or not he's a fucking asshole, that's a totally different story. So Varg played bass in Mayhem, and he is the guy that went to prison and killed Euronymous. And he continues to make, continued while in prison to make music. Which and, was bad. Which was bad. Well, under the Burzum name. So, um, again, we'll circle back to that. But this album was released while he was in prison. But it was the last recording he made before going in. So it wasn't actually made in prison. It was not made. No, no, no. Well, yeah, it was the last album he made out of prison before going in for the uh, murder of Euronymous. In um, it was recorded in '93, and uh, he went to prison in '94, and then it was released in '96. The rest is history, as they say. This record I like because of the the really crunchy guitar tone that he has on it. 
I love the atmosphere. It yeah, put, yeah. puts you in. It's just fucking cool, man. It takes you on a trip. And I think that his voice in this one is a lot more palatable than the first record. Oscar or whatever the hell it yeah, was called. Yeah. I can't remember the name of They're all in a different language, so... Oh, the first record? Yeah, pardon us if we're butchering the... I've just called Burzum's first album. I just call it Burzum's Burzum or self-titled or... The one with Varg's fucking little shadow running in the woods oh, on the yeah, cover. Yeah. I, I I enjoy that album, but um this one's way easier to digest and I suggest everybody out there check it out. Pretty much if you can get through the lo fi stuff, like the the staple lo fi recordings and your yeah, you're kind of you're cool it. with them, and you dig it. Then yep. you can pretty much palette most of any black metal. Right now, there are people that would prefer melodic to the lo-fi stuff, like we said earlier, and that's all up to you. Yep. But luckily, this list has a good mix of both. So yeah, we wanted to kind of cover some the of entire these, spectrum, yeah, as much as we could. Yeah, well, it's a starter pack, so yep. you gotta cover the whole spectrum. Yep. It's just like with the jazz one. We had soft jazz, hard bop jazz, yeah, whatever yeah. jazz. Um, so if you can palette the lo-fi stuff, you can palette any black metal out there. Now yeah, you I may prefer you that. may prefer the melodic stuff if the craziness or whatever is not your forte. All right, number eight. Go ahead. Oh, were you going to say the e word? I believe number eight is Bathory, right? I had Rotten Christ as eight. Shit. Well, <laughs> we just fucked the list up, but let's we can do Rotting Christ because I have it written down where it's supposed to be, but my phone was half covering it, so oh, that's all good. Um, number eight, Rotten Christ, Passage to Arcturo. This record I know, but I'm not incredibly familiar with like i've heard it maybe five times but rod and christ to me is one of those bands that kind of started they didn't get bad or fade away or anything like that it's just they, they got lost the radar, they yeah. got lost in the midst of everything else it's like when we were talking about carpathian forest the other day yeah yeah great band but there's just so much out there that you're like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot about that. Or you forget to go back and listen to this shit right. sometimes, you know? Well, um, I really like uh, the album from 2019, The Heretics, The Riding Christ. Yep. Uh, but their first one came out in 93. So mm. they've been around for and a it was long time. Technically an EP. Okay, technically. So well, maybe, this passage to Arcturo was technically an EP. Oh, their first, thy, their thy first studio contract. album was Thy Mighty Contract. Yeah, that was '93, correct? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that was the first full-length studio. Uh, yeah, that's correct. So that's another band to check out. Um, like I said, they've been around since '93. Started in 87, kind of as a grindcore, and then they, like we said, all these bands kind of start in one genre and, like, morph into another one and jump around, and so, depending on what era of Riding Christ you grab, 
Yeah. You're going to get kind of like... You might get a black metal sound. <laughs> you might right. get a death metal sound. It, it kind of all depends. Yeah. And um, they were uh, on the Deathlike Silence, which was Euronymous's label from Mayhem. Yeah. So they had that connection, which also, uh, you know, gives it that whole true Norwegian black metal fucking lore. Anyway... All right, now we can move on to the B word. B word, Bathory. Nine and ten. So nine is Bathory's self-titled record, which was 1984. And then Bathory, The Return of Darkness and Evil, which would have been the record that followed. Which I think is a little more black metal-ish than the first one. I would agree, but I would say that Bathory's self-titled album, as far as the impact that it made and how well known it is and renowned like if you were to yeah, say i'm gonna compare it to venom to here so it's like as iconic as black metal because most people would say that is the first to make the lo-fi black metal sound that dark throne pretty much capitalized yeah, 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 on because yeah, yeah. venom had it but I think that Bathory album was a little heavier and rawer than what oh, the Venom record oh, was. way more, way more. So I think as far as the impact and like the notability of it, Venom, Black Metal, and Bathory's self-titled records kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean... In I, the genre. Yeah, I put them oh, as contemporaries, as in the same, kind of yeah. in that same yep. first wave. Um, and they're from fucking Like, if you Sweden. hold up both of those covers and you're even remotely a metal fan, yeah, like, you, you know immediately exactly know what, what the fuck it is. Uh-huh. Whereas if you were to take, like, Agalok's Folklore or something and hand it, hold it up, like, not everybody's going to be like, that's fucking... You know, right. Like, so immediately they're recognizable because of the impact that they had. And Bathory's another band that you could take the first three records and then compare them to the following three records, and it's almost like a completely different band, but kind of the same band at the same time. Like, if I had to pick out of the first three records, I would either pick... that Fuck, dude, I can't. It's too hard. hard. I like, un- I mean, even Under the Sign is fucking awesome. Under the Sign's good, Return's good, and the self-title's all good. Now, if we were to go to the, to the following three, I like Bloodfire Death a lot and Twilight of the Gods. You're not um, a fan of the Hammerheart? I love Hammerheart, but people think that that's like the magnum the, opus yeah, to the yeah. Viking metal era. I think right. Twilight of the Thunder Gods wipes the fucking floor with it. Not and, and I don't saying get too that much into bad. that Viking thing. You know what I mean? I like the content and the sound. Um, it depends, I guess. Bloodfire Death is more... It's like a metal album with Norse lyrics. Okay. More than, like, it sounds Viking-ish. But when you go to Twilight of the Gods, it, and sounds, it, has, it like, sounds Viking-ish. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I really like that about it, like the... The clean singing that they had, the oh, chanting. Oh, definitely the, the like, pioneering like of the genre. Yeah, like it makes me want to ride a horse and cut somebody's fucking head <laughs> fucking off. Fucking hey, dude. Like, and I and I um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they are like considered the founders of the Viking. A Viking genre. metal, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
which is an yeah that's crazy but definitely i don't know of anybody that did it beforehand yeah, unless think of it. man of war maybe but that's not really i'm talking like metal metal not yeah, like not fucking hair metal dudes with pecs and shit yeah but Man of War, they did have the content, so I guess for the sake of the conversation, they would have to be lumped in there. I remember my kid wanted to wear a Bathory Bloodfire Death shirt for his Easter pictures. Oh yeah, but with his mom, and she was dope. like, "You're not wearing a fucking shirt that has a bunch of naked chicks on it." <laughs> He's like, "They're angels, and they don't even have nipples." <laughs> I laughed so hard. He's right. Oh man. Oh, I gotta go pee again. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Okay. All right, number... Where are we on? We did 9, 10, 11. There are 15 of these, by the way. I don't remember if we said that. All right, uh, number 11 is Emperor in the Nightside Eclipse, which was one record that really helped to start to define melodic death metal, or black metal, I'm sorry. This is another very cold-sounding record, but this kind of really helped the melodic sound shift to where it started to in the following years after that. Um, For Emperor, my personal favorite album is Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk. I like it because it was recorded in, like, an old cathedral, yeah, and it gives it a really crazy sound. Very echoey. But In the Nightside Eclipse is great in its own way, too. I'll be honest, I kind of, Emperor for me is kind of, I don't think there's an Emperor album that I dislike. Nah, they really didn't have any bad records. I mean, I've listened to uh, Equilibrium a lot, too, is another one I really dig. Prometheus is really good, also. And then even Wrath of the Tyrant and their self-titled album are both really good, too. Yeah, that's so crazy. Those were more in the lo-fi category, but In the Night Side, definitely... Like I said, I wouldn't it put that shaped in, melodic. Yeah. And that was another one that had sort of a murder dilemma going on. The drummer, Faust. Faust, yeah, yeah. Faust. He's another uh, homeboy of Euronymous yep. and Barg and that whole scene in Norway. This In the Nightside Eclipse was the last record that they recorded with him before he was sentenced to prison. Gotcha. All right, on to number 12. Gorgoroth pentagram. Gorgoroth is, to me, arguably one of the most freaky fucking yeah. black metal bands. I, I would, um, they were also around at that time, but I don't think they really got the credit they'd, you know, as a bigger black metal band until, uh, honestly, maybe like 10 years ago, early 2000s, 20 years ago. I think when they started to really like dig back and pull out books or write books and start making documentaries and shit yeah, on right. all of this scene is when they kind of got brought to light. Or, yeah, that's kind of how I heard about them. So, um, very fucking lo-fi sounding-ish. Um, lyrics are fucking brutal. Yeah, very evil they're and banned, dark. They're banned in Poland for um, having, I believe, three naked women, maybe two. Either way, I think it was three naked women inverted on crosses and, you know, they had pig pig's heads all along the stage and, yeah, they don't fuck around when it comes to putting on a show. I think 
And they're fucking yeah. They they had a singer for a while. His uh, name started with a G, also. Yeah, but I um, can't Gaul. remember the exact Gaul. That's Gaul, what it was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's the guy that was born in like a fucking village of like twelve yeah. people, and he went to school with one other person, and it was like dark, like sixteen hours a day yeah, there, dude. or some shit like that. I remember that in, that Vice interview. Yeah, yeah, that shit. When I first saw that. I, I thought like, he was I, joking. No, like, dude. I thought he was trying to put on a facade. Yeah, at first you're like, is you're this like, guy serious? Yeah, I was like, who the fuck is this douchebag? Like, no, he's legit. And then he's like sitting there like Dr. Evil petting a cat. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was actually petting a cat, but he looked like he was trying to make that position for himself. But he just, yeah, the man was fucking nuts. He uh, came out as gay later on so he in my opinion is one of the most metal motherfuckers and he came out gay he does only not like god to slight god yep only to fucking say god fuck you and uh which to me is the ultimate sacrifice yeah that's just uh, <laughs> and we don't we're not gonna we don't talk about politics and religion on this channel so you know take that as you will yeah it's just a controversial <clears throat> genre and that's one of the bands that's Incredibly controversial, but their music really is cool killer, man. Stage presence and shit, though, like you said, right. and like their makeup and costumes and everything, like the way they had. Um, if they were allowed the to put on shows, like huge nails and it. shit, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, they were banned pretty heavily across many countries. Sort of like what Zane was, like their band yep. is a whole shitload of different countries because not allowed anywhere. Um, was that number 12? We got, oh, 13, sorry. 13 is Demi Borger's Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropy, which, okay, some people, black metal purists, quote unquote, would probably say, fuck Demi, just, I think, because they got very popular and shit and started to help popularize the black metal genre in general because prior to bands like Demu and Cradle of Filth and whatnot. Which Cradle of Filth is the next band on the list, so just might as well say it because I kind of put these two. (laughs) Yeah, I put them next to each other because because they made it. Same era, kind of like 94, 95. Yep. Um, So, yeah, 14 is Cradle of Filth, Principle of Evil Made Flesh. So, anyways, like I was saying, some of the quote-unquote purists, and I say quote-unquote because some people take it way too fucking seriously and put their ego in the music way too much, but they popularized black metal. Like, without Cradle of Filth, I would have never known. Well, I would have, but it would have taken longer for me to figure it out and dive into the bands that I did. Yeah, they brought that shit across the pond a lot. Yeah, they brought it to be not mainstream, but more publicly aware than what it was prior to that. Well, because it, it was kind of like a an underground type of thing. I just they took the um, they took the sound, the style, and made a fucking show. Like I haven't seen Cradle. I've seen Demu live, and I'm not mm-hmm. even a huge Demu fan. Not because of the. Um, uh, you know, quote unquote, as he was saying, I'm not like some fucking asshole. I just, I don't know. I just, I never, I, that, that band just never got me, but I saw them live and they're fucking amazing. Like their shit was so tight. Yeah. 
They were a really well put together band and they had a really good run of albums for quite a while. Like their first record, Stormblast, was more on the lo-fi category and was kind of showing appreciation to what they were coming from and what their influences were. And then they started to incorporate their own melodic sound when it went forward from there. Right. Um, but that band pretty much all the way up into Insorte Diablo or Insorte Diablo. I don't remember which way it's actually pronounced. Is 2007, I want to say. Um, every single record that they put out was fucking great. And then they had a bunch of lineup changes after that, lost a keyboard player, changed drummers, changed guitar player, and then I kind of fell off after that because right. it never recaptures the same exact sound as what it did originally when you're replacing members. Sometimes oh, I agree. sometimes you can't it improves. That magic all the time. Yeah, sometimes it improves, sometimes the switches are for the better, but a lot of times it takes away from what the appeal was originally for the band. I'll but that is that. a black metal band that like I listen to quite a bit. Not that I don't listen to any others on right. this list less, but um, they have some tracks that I really, really enjoy. I will where say, they put in like some of the operatic singing that they do and keyboard breakdowns and shit. I like that stuff. When Cradle, uh, Cradle of Filth's um, first four albums were pretty popular. When, uh, like 20 years ago, when I was a teenager, more or less, you know, the shit was like, everybody was a lot of, not everybody, but a lot of people were into it. I dismissed it until I got older, you know, I'm like, fuck that. That's not, you know, right. that's not black metal had that arrogance, you know, but then you realize what they did. And when you listen to like a cradle or a demure, it's like watching a fucking horror movie, dude. And you can't deny Danny Filth's a fucking genius. I mean, his writing alone is like, I, I don't know, it's poetic, man. It's like he's, it's like. And he has a very unique sound right, to nobody, his voice. Like nobody, nobody has like that him. octave range that he does. Exactly. I think maybe that's, you know, why I don't like Demue as much because his voice is like deeper. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Nymphetamine for Cradle of Filth is like my all-time oh, okay. favorite Cradle of Filth. And it's because of all the piano and shit. Like, I love piano, but that just made it sound dark, cold, but, like, beautiful at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So they're bringing in chick singers as background singers oh, and making yeah. these, no, like... No, I love that whole it's fucking... It's so good. Or, like, those singing fucking angel-sounding fucking yeah. women. Yeah, and... They do they do a lot of kick ass concept albums. Yeah. Cruelty and the Beast. I like the chanting things that they do too and when they get like like <clears throat> the chick singers that they bring in for one, the chantings, the crowd like including the crowd to be able to sing along with yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I like that shit. It's like when Ghost had um all those kids standing on stage singing Come to Us Satan and shit. Yeah, and that like, shit is awesome. gnarly, dude. Yeah. Definitely gnarly. All right, so... Last but not least. Last but not I'll least. I'll let you... Uh, I started. You can finish. This is actually my favorite black metal album of all time, I would say. 
um, if I really had to pick a favorite. Yep. But Dissections, Storm of the Lights, Bane, which is, to me, the best melodic black metal band um, and the most evil and true to their sound. Like, the singer, uh, he committed suicide, unfortunately, after their third album. So it was a very short-lived band, but... Can't be denied. Strange. Their drummer had strange, weird timing. Like, it wasn't a traditional, just followed suit type right. of time. It was very offbeat, but it somehow made it work. Like, the way he added his fills on that album really stand out to where you're like, what the fuck was this guy doing? But it also was like, holy shit, like, this made it sound better because of that because it right. makes it kind of stand out a little bit because he has his own fuck completely own style of fucking drumming yeah this is like my holy grail record because i've yet to be able to find a fucking okay, affordable yeah. copy and there's so many bootlegs out there but i don't want a bootleg i want an official pressing so i'm either waiting to find a under four hundred dollars <laughs> and preferably like like i'd pay like a hundred bucks but like yeah yeah after like I'm That's spoiled kind of with limit. wholesale prices, so like once it gets too far, I'm just like I oh, fuck that. Okay. I'll take the CD, but uh, I'm hoping for a repress of that somewhere down the road. Any news on that? Not that I've seen. I know they're repressing Somberlane with a pop-up gatefold, like when you open it up, yeah. the horses come out like a pop-up book, which is cool. But I've yet to see a repress of Storm of the Lights Bane. And I don't know if that's a label dilemma it, or... It shouldn't be. It's on Nuclear Blast. It's on the End Records. Is the original label that it was put out under. Well, okay, so... <clears throat> I believe. Let me try to double-check that. Because that's how you differentiate the bootlegs, is the label on the back. Well, according to... Um, Unless Metal Blade now owns it. Nuclear Blast. Or, I'm sorry. That's what I'm Blast. saying. I think... I, I believe you are correct, and then Nuclear Blast, I'm assuming, bought the rights. Mm. Which, again, then why the fuck won't you put it out again? But maybe they're waiting a couple of years, because 95... Yeah, the end records is the original. Okay. And then it was, like, the CD was made on Black Horizon Records, and then... But, however, those could be subsidiaries of Nuclear Blast, for all I know. Like, True. you never know. But whoever owns it, if by some miracle you're listening to this podcast, please, re please repress that fucking record. <laughs> but yeah, that would be honestly like where I would, nah, I wouldn't start there. Let yourself build up to that after some of the melodic shit. But that'll definitely help get you in the cold mood to listen to a lot of the things that yeah. are on this list. The artwork is very cool. Like it's just a Grim Reaper-ish looking dude with a scythe standing oh, out of a big horse. Yeah, and it's all blue, whitish, coldish gray. But I mean, that singer to me, like, I love his voice. The way he, his screams are, and the music, like to where they have the sometimes soft, gentle interludes or intros to their songs and then it builds up into this fucking evil song like where dead angels lie i think is one of the coolest songs ever written in black metal one because it's, it's a really a cool dude it's a really cool song name but just in general the song is yeah. like fucking phenomenal yeah 
And then I'm pretty sure the singer's girlfriend did some of the keyboard parts on the album. Or that might have been Sombra Lane. I might be mixing that up with my facts here. But if I remember correctly, his girlfriend did some work on the album too. Yeah, it's considered one of the best. It's been called an expertly crafted mini epic. You know, every track. It's just, yeah, um, I would agree. You definitely need to uh, get on that. <clears throat> but all right, that's pretty much all we got. Or actually, that is all we got. So read the description of this. Let us know what you think. And um, we will definitely be having more black metal content moving forward in the next few weeks. We're working on things now as we speak. We actually like took some things out of this episode right. to save it for the future episodes so we didn't spoil anything. Yep. If you're interested, please stay tuned. All right, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for spending your time with us. And hopefully that if you are curious of black metal or you're just starting on it, um, this will kind of lead you to where you want to go. Um, you know, if you have other staples that you think are better that we should have put on here, like feel free to reach out, drop your opinion, whatever. But all right, I'm out of here. Catch you later.